How many of you have been enjoying the word of the Lord as it relates to pray with your eyes open? How many of you have seen the Lord do some changes in, in your thinking? He's stirring you up. Um, I, I, I want to take us a step further today. Last week we talked about it's in the budget. Uh, we talked about how that when you find yourself in a situation that you know that God wants to move in that situation, Jesus has promised us the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth, he says, and, and you can't really see this because it's in the Greek underneath of it, but he says, whatever you bind on earth, the moment you decide to bind it, you're going to find out that it has already been bound in heaven. In other words, heaven can have, or earth can have everything that heaven has already purchased on its behalf. So you're going to find yourself in situations, maybe you're living in a situation where you're looking and you're saying, this doesn't resemble the kingdom of God remotely. It doesn't look anything like God. Well, that's when you step in with the keys and you say, okay, Lord, show me what you purchased so that, that, so that uh, I can see righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit manifesting right here. Let me remind you that, that prayer is what brings the kingdom. The most important pattern for prayer that we have in the Bible is the one that Jesus gave us. And uh, we call it the Lord's Prayer. When his disciples said, come, Lord, teach us to pray. They weren't asking how to pray. They were teaching, they were saying, Jesus, we see you work and we see God working with you. And there are powerful miracles. And we know that this is connected to your prayer life. Teach us to pray. Preaching won't bring the kingdom. Money won't bring the kingdom. Your prestige, your career, your, your degrees will not bring the kingdom. The only thing that brings the kingdom is prayer. And every one of us can do that. So every one of us can bring the kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is, uh, prayer has to be a primary uh, uh, pursuit of your life and mine. You know, I want you to be good at your job, but be better at prayer. I want you to be a great husband, but be better at prayer. I want you to be a good wife, be better at prayer. Why? Because prayer will cause godliness to happen in your life, and godliness is what you need in your home. Godliness is what you need in the workplace. Godliness is what causes God to smile at you when you see him on judgment day and all of that comes through prayer all right so uh, all of us are in this pursuit and nobody it's not it's not about perfection it's about the pursuit well, pastor ken how do you pray open your mouth no really really yeah open your mouth start there you know and if you need to use the lord's prayer as a pattern our Father, who art in heaven, in King James vernacular, right? Hallowed be thy name, or holy is your name. And you just begin to recognize who it is that you're talking to. Let's see. Hmm, how many names of God are there? Lots. I, 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 suspect, I can't remember exactly, but I think it's up over 100. And, uh, but you could start with the eight covenant names of God. Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Makedish. I mean, you could start there. And you just meditate on that, and wow, that wasn't even in my notes. Better get to the notes, or I'll be rambling here. Today, I want to talk to you about uh, the, the power of God is for now. Everybody say now. There, there's this thing that happens in every believer's life that causes us sometimes to shrink back from the moment when God wants to break through. 
How many of you have had a big day that you were praying and believing God for, and you had been very clear about the thing that you wanted the Lord to do, and so you prayed, and you prayed, and you prayed, and you prayed, and you got right up to the moment, and something in you wanted to just go home and lay down and take a nap. Or something on the inside of you just wanted to, oh, let's just pick up the remote and forget this day is going on. There's, there's something about the, 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 the call or the risk that comes along with faith that we shrink back from at the, at the moment of truth. We shrink back from it. Um, you know, when, when you are in a situation and you know that, uh, that whatever your words are or how you, uh, how you work in this relational situation, Situation, that, that it's a critical piece and, and you're right there at that moment, right on the cusp. And it, it probably, those of you that are in sports, it's like, okay, you're going to, it's, this is like the winning throw or this is the winning goal or this is the winning block or the, whatever it is. You're right there at that moment and you wonder, do I really have it? Do I really have what I need to do in this moment? Do I, is it available for me? And, and, and yet in your life and mine, some of the things that we do, our, our conversations, the statements, those moments, those are life or death. Those are, those are eternal moments for people in our lives. And you and I have the opportunity in that moment to be a witness. And I want to share with you what Jesus has to say about that. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8. This is a conversation that happens between Jesus and his disciples that happens sometime in the 40-day span after Jesus' resurrection. The Bible says that he met with his disciples for 40 days before he was taken up into heaven. So 40 days that they are walking around with the resurrected Christ. How crazy would that be? How amazing that the, the, the tomb is empty. Jesus is walking around. You could, you could look through the holes in his hands. You could look through the, you know, there's transparent, there's a piercing in his feet where you could see where the nails had been. And yet he's walking around with his disciples and saying, let me teach you about the kingdom. I think he had everybody's attention. Don't you? Let me tell you about the kingdom. I was dead, but now I'm alive. Let me tell you where I've been. Let me tell you what God's going to do. Let me tell you how it's going to happen. And let me tell you what's the most important thing that's got to happen next. And so sometime in the 10-day span, right, Jesus, or before the 10-day span, he says, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That word witnesses comes from the Greek word marturia or marturios from which we will eventually get the word martyr. You know, I just thinned out the, I just thinned out the, the, the house, Pastor Daniel. You'll be, I want to be a witness. Oh, <laughs> Maybe not. You know, what does it mean to be a martyr? We know that to to be a martyr means to back up your story, back up your testimony, back up your faith with your life. And this is the word that Jesus used when he said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts. And so 10 days later, sometime, or, you know, uh, we don't know if it was exactly the 40th day when Jesus said this, but there were 40 days from the ascension when he ascended on high and, uh, and until the day of Pentecost. And so on the day of Pentecost, uh, it's in your notes. Let's, uh, let's read uh, verses uh, four through eight of Acts chapter two. All of them are 
were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, they heard a sound. When they heard the sound, when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? I want to draw attention to that because now I'm going to go down into Peter's sermon. Now let's talk about Peter for a second. The last time we saw Peter... Peter had been given a prophetic word by Jesus, the kind that you don't want to get. You're going to deny me three times. Peter made his great boast. Lord, even if they take you out, I'll go with you. I'll be the guy. I'll be the stand-up man. I'll be with you no matter what. And Jesus looked over at him the way, the truth, and the life, who never speaks anything false, and said, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. How many of you have ever found that you thought you knew yourself, but then found out the Lord knew you better? Let me tell you what was going on. That, that Peter, his, his original, his first name, his name was Simon, and Simon means a reed. And what is a reed? Uh, one of those little reeds that, that grows up in the marsh. And when the wind blows, it blows. When the wind blows this way, it goes this way. When the wind blows this way, it blows this way. He didn't have any stability in his Simon nature. I love that word that Holly shared earlier and how that your DNA is different when you get born again, right? Because this is what Jesus told Peter. He said, you are the rock. I just preached this last week. Uh, I say you, you are Simon, but you are now Peter. You are the rock. This rock of revelation that you just received is what you need to build on. And so in this moment, sometime in the 10-day span between uh, the time that Peter had, uh, had denied Christ... Somewhere along the line, I don't know how it was, but you, you must have imagined the upper room. Here was, their, here was their famous leader, Peter, who was always open in his mouth, and he was the first one to deny Christ. Sometime in that 10-year span, there had to be forgiveness that took place. We got to forgive our leader. He's blown it. He'd been a traitor. He had sided with the enemy. And something happens to Peter when the power of God comes on him, right? Something happens to Peter. And uh, let me pick up in verse 32. This is Peter standing up among them, and he begins to preach this message. And he gets to verse uh, 32. He said, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses. Say that out loud. We are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ." Now, when Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will receive power, he was saying this word power had to do with enablement, 
spiritual enablement, the abilities that are beyond your own natural abilities, the abilities that flow from heaven, that carry heaven's authority, are going to come upon you. When the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. So Peter receives this power, and he stands up, and he begins to uh, uh, minister the word. This is the first Christian sermon, if you will. He's not ever heard a Christian sermon before. He's a good Jewish boy, a good fisherman. Uh, he There's never been a sermon before this time. But here's Peter. When the Spirit of God comes upon him, he goes from a denier of Christ to a proclaimer of Christ. In the When the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes upon him, he is enabled to do what he could not do before. What was not in his nature, what was not in his upbringing, what was not in his skill set, what was not in his education. None of those things mattered. When the Holy Spirit came upon him, he was used by God to proclaim the first message of the gospel, if you will, uh, this side of the empty tomb. Now, what's amazing is that Peter doesn't just say, let me tell y'all about this Jesus. He and I were like this. We are good buddies. I had more meals with him than anybody else over the past three years. I spent, he didn't talk about himself at all. The first thing he started with, if you back up the train and look in that passage, he says, this is that. These men are not drunk as you suppose. This is what God prophesied all the way back in Joel. Let me, let me give you some context. God said, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, and this is that. And God has done a work. Now, here's, here's what's amazing. Everybody heard the wondrous works of God in their own languages. There's a miracle. That's a witness, right? A minute, a minute prior, they didn't know anything about what was going on in heaven, and all of a sudden, they hear these languages that are not their own, and they say, huh. Why am I here in Jerusalem, but I'm hearing my home language? And so here's this witness. We're hearing the wondrous works of God. And Peter says, this is Jesus who has poured out what you now see and hear. See and hear. See and hear. Peter's message connected with what the kingdom was doing right then. How many of you have been in the, the, the Lord long enough to where you, you're familiar with the vernacular when somebody says, let's go witness to somebody? Let's go witness to that person over there. Anybody? You've, you've heard that lingo, right? Um, it's, uh, it's almost like the, the word witness, which is a noun, becomes a verb, witnessing. We're going witnessing. That's like we're going skiing. We're going shopping. Hallelujah! <laughs> witness witness so so going witnessing was you know what what did you do to get ready to go witnessing well you probably brushed off your testimony a little bit let me see okay I, I remember where I was before I met Christ and then I met Jesus and this is what my life has been like since and so maybe you wrote your testimony down in preparation for going witnessing maybe you got a handful of scriptures maybe you got a tool like the four spiritual laws you you took some of those things and and you said okay these are logical ways that I could communicate Jesus Peter had none of those he had none of those but what happened was the upon ministry of the holy spirit came on peter and in, he steps into the danger you know what i'm talking about when when i say step into the danger in other words there there there's no script for this some of the best acting that's ever been done on the planet there was no script for 
right? That, that, that it just something happened and they played off of it and it just, wow. And what do they do? They entered the danger. Peter enters the danger with the fullness of the Holy Spirit upon him and he begins to say, guys, you read Jerusalem news this past week and you know that Jesus was raised from the dead 50 days ago. And you know that there's all kinds of stories about that. Maybe it's a rumor. Maybe Jesus' body was just picked up and somebody it's disappeared and all of that kind of stuff. But you're hearing in your own language the wondrous works of God. You're hearing God doing a work uh, in the lives of people. Let me tell you what's going on. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And I want to tell you something more. God has raised this Jesus to life. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's received the Holy Spirit. And he's poured out what you now see and hear. Everybody just had the scuttlebutt. Everybody had the gossip. But Peter had the real word. He had the witness. He had the understanding of kingdom reality in that moment. He didn't talk about, oh, guys, I remember it was so great when Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. And I thought, oh, that's so funny. It's kind of a play on words. I'm a fisherman, and you're going to make me a fisherman. And, you know, it was, no, he didn't talk about any of that. He said, let me tell you about kingdom reality right now. Let me tell you what's going on in the kingdom right now in this minute. Why? Because the power of God is for now. And when you and I are a witness, we're not just a witness of our testimony of something God did five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. We're a witness who say, right now, this is what Jesus is saying to you. Right now, this is what Jesus wants to do in your life. Right now, you're thinking life is about this, but the Lord wants you to know it's really about this thing right here. And it's amazing how things get real when there's a witness full of the Holy Spirit that says, I, you know, God's got your number. And you begin to operate in a gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's a prophetic gift. Maybe it's a word of knowledge. You know something about a person that, uh, that had never been said before. The power encounters that I've had through the years all come down to the the power is right now. It's not right now. Everybody wants to put it off. Everybody wants to say, let me just put it off till tomorrow. I want to put off my decision to to, uh, serve Jesus tomorrow. Can't it wait another day? Can't it wait another week? It's easier. Well, let me just schedule it in my calendar. But sooner or later, you've got to get to the place, right? You've got to get to the place where where you recognize this is the now. This is the now. And God lives in the eternal now. He he says, I am that I am. I am that I am. I'll never forget. uh, I didn't share this story before, uh, but uh, um, Pastor Daniel and I and Holly were ministering to a a couple in the congregation. Not from our congregation. They'd been here years and years ago. Hadn't seen them in 10 or 15 years. And she was really struggling um, with some things that hung her up from her past. And we were sitting in my office and we began to pray. And I remember the Lord came on Daniel and gave him a vision of exactly when the trauma took place and what happened and it was in detail in detail he just saw the whole thing and in that moment this urgency holy spirit just rushed on him he said that's it i see it let's pray that was it 
And man, the power of God just came in my, my office, came upon that gal. And she was delivered from this thing that goes, uh, you know, she's in her 60s. It went all the way back to when she's like 11 years old. That's a witness of the kingdom. This is what the king, this is what the God wants to do. This is why we have to pray with our eyes open. Well, how do you get there, Pastor Ken? Lest you think this is a pointless sermon. It does have some points. Number one, to be a witness, you need to know Jesus, not just about him. It never gets anything more profound than knowing Jesus. A lot of times now, now you say, well, that's so simple. I already have that. Really? What did he say to you this morning? Did you have a real live conversation with Jesus? Not just that you talked, but that he talked back. When I find that people that really know the Lord uh, don't have such a struggle with humility because they've, they've leaned in and gotten to know him and they realize, man, when I rub up against the ancient of days, I ain't got nothing much to say. You know, humility is, is hard for us if we think we know something in our mind. The Bible says knowledge puffs up, but love builds up, right? So if I have knowledge of God, but I don't really know God, then humility will be a struggle for me and my pride, which is going to get me into trouble. It's going to get me into trouble. If I say, oh, I don't need this, or I don't need that, or I don't need a brother to walk with me, or I don't need any of that, let me tell you. That, that's the precursor for the, for the fall. That's, that, that thing's going to happen. It will happen. But, but when you're humble, you, you recognize, you know what, I'm just going to let the Lord lift me up. If I'll humble myself, that's what the Bible says. He will be the one to lift me up. And, and in order to say you know the Lord, what does that mean? It means you know more than just he was a historical figure that lived and died 2,000 years. Oh, I've heard that so many times. Yeah, but what did you hear today? What did you hear from him today? Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. If you don't know Jesus, not gave your life to him 20 years ago, if you don't know him, what, is, what have you talked to him about today? What has he revealed himself to you? How has he revealed himself to you today? Knowing him means that you have a regular, connected relationship with him. That's what it requires. That's what it requires. I, I can't pull out my marriage license to my wife and it, it was printed in 1989 and say, I got a relationship with this woman. No, you got a document. If I didn't talk to her since 1989, things would not be good. <laughs> Number two, to be a witness, you need to receive the Holy Spirit's uponness. You need to receive the Holy Spirit's uponness. Can I, let, let me give you a, 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 just a thought. A lot of times um, when people say, well, I'm waiting on God to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Um, Historically speaking, from this text that we read today, the disciples were told to wait, but nobody since that 10-day time ever had to wait because the Holy Spirit has been here for the last 2,000 years. He's waiting on you. And what's he waiting on you to do? To receive, 
to receive, to say, Holy Spirit, I want your power. Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And so uh, as we talk about the Holy Spirit, you need to understand these two metaphors that Jesus gives in the book of John as it relates to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The first one's found in John chapter 4, and it's the story of the woman at the well. You remember the Samaritan woman? She's down at the well, and she's there in midday, so nobody will hang out with her. You know, she doesn't want to run into anybody that she knows because she's not well thought of in the community. Uh, That might be you. I don't know. Don't look around. Keep your eyes straight forward. And so, so she's at this well, and Jesus begins to talk to her about the well of salvation that's bubbling up on the inside. He said, you know, this is a well here, but I could give you living water, and it would never run dry. Oh, she said, that's a good idea. I really don't want to come back to this well anymore. If I had one that was running water at the house, I'd be loving it. I wouldn't have to come out in public anymore. And so what does Jesus do? He begins to talk to her about the well of salvation. Uh, you know, at your house, some of us here in the, in the county are probably on county water on the reservoir uh, from, from Beaver Dam. But some of us still have wells, and uh, your well is designed to feed one house. You know, it's, it's, it, it supplies water for the, the house that you live in. Uh, not like the running water of old when, you know, 40, 50 years ago you had to run and get it, right? That was running water. Go fetch it. Not that kind of, sorry, dad joke. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert, dad joke. And, uh, and so, uh, so your well supplies your house. And, but Jesus talked of another work of the Holy Spirit that he talked about uh, at the, uh, you know, as they were talking about the, the rivers of living water that would flow. I think it's John chapter 7, where Jesus described the rivers of living water that would flow from within a believer. And, and rivers are decidedly different than wells. How many of you figured that out? How many of you know they're both water, but they're different? They have different purposes. Wait, you know, you think about the York River and how that the that it borders uh, that Gloucester County borders on the York River, and it changes the landscape. It it, it feeds uh, so many things because of that one river. So there are two flows of the Holy Spirit. There's the inward flow. Everybody say inward. That's for your salvation. That's for the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to you. That's where the fruit of the Spirit comes from. That that love, joy, peace, patience, and all of those other, all that other good fruit that's going to be grown from your life, that comes from you having your own relationship with Jesus. But then there's the uponness of the Holy Spirit. That's my own word. I just made it up. Because this is what we who have doctorates like to do. We like to make up words. And assign our own meanings to them. It sounded better than onness, uponness. So the, the upon you you've got to know the uponness of the Holy Spirit. That is the the fact that the Holy Spirit has come upon you to do the works of ministry. It's the equipping to get stuff done. Are you with me? The equipping to get stuff done for the kingdom. And, and it's a game changer for you and I in our walk with God. And so uh, you're, the, the fact that you have Jesus on the inside, that gets you to heaven. The fact that the Holy Spirit is upon you is for you to help get everybody else to heaven. It's to proclaim salvation in power. It's to proclaim with the authority of Jesus. It's to proclaim through faith and through, through signs and wonders and through miracles. And this is exactly what the uh, early disciples received in the upper room. Here's the good news. We don't have to go, uh, we don't have to get on a plane, uh, show a vaccine card, go all the way to uh, Israel, stay in quarantine for 14 days, and then go down to the temple or go find the upper room. We don't have to do that. We don't have to. We don't have to. 
because the Holy Spirit's here. And he's looking for people who are receptive. Who just say, I want more. I want more. He is in you for you. But he is upon you for others. Had a precious little revelation. A gal that was in here probably three or four days ago in the six o'clock prayer meeting. And she said, I just realized that I'm actually not fasting for me. That I'm fasting for others. And she began to communicate how I'm fasting for this situation. I'm fasting for that. I'm fasting for the other. I was like, oh, that's beautiful. That was a Holy Spirit showing her the purpose behind it. This isn't just a, oh, let's, let's, let's fit into our genes a little bit better. Slightly less muffin top than we used to have. It's not what this is about. This is about the kingdom. Kingdom of God's not about eating and drinking. It's about power. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Where is that not? That's where we need to fast. Where is that not? That's where we need to pray. When you don't see the kingdom operating, you're the one to bring it. You're the one that says, Holy Spirit, come upon me. Use me. I don't know, I don't know what's going to be needed here, but I'm leaning into that gap. I'm standing into this place. I'm going to step in here until the power of God comes. I'm going to step in this gap until an answer is supplied. I'm going to step into this gap until provision comes. God is saying, the power is now. The power is now. It's not put it off for a week, put it off for a month. People need a breakthrough today. When we went to uh, Uganda back in 2003, God, I know I've told this story before, but some of you hadn't heard it before. And I remember the Lord gave us a word that morning. I woke up. I was, in a, I was in a hotel that had no running water. You literally had to go run and get it. I was in a hotel that the plumbing wasn't connected, and, and there were no lights on in that place. And, uh, you know, don't, don't ask me about the bed. I'm not going to talk to you about the bed. I'll never get anybody in missions again. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, it was kind of like rustic camping out, but we got together to pray. And here's what we, here's what we understood that there was a, that there was a five-star anointing that God wanted to bring to rock eye that day. And the word of the Lord was, you know, these people need the kingdom today because they don't have tomorrow. People were dying by the time they were 35 years old. They, they weren't living long lives because of AIDS and HIV. They, they had a real need. And Holy Spirit says, you're there to bring the kingdom today because the people don't have tomorrow. You don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know who you're going to meet. That Today's their last day. You don't know that. Holly and I, one time at Valley Forge, we were just walking down the, the sidewalk, and, and uh, we didn't know this until, uh, until hours later that when we greeted a gal on the, on the walkway and went on to the dorm that she didn't walk 10 feet further and fell to the ground and died. We didn't know it when we greeted her. It was just another day. It was just another greeting. Hey, how are you? And, and that was that. And, and, uh, and so we, we found out that she, you know, she had had a, some kind of an aneurysm and she had just fallen out. And that was it. That was it. But we don't know, do we? We don't know when we meet people what's going on in their life. We don't know. You know, so are, are we in the last days? Well, it's probably in your last days. I mean, probably less than 50 years for me. Maybe not for a younger person. What does that mean? That means that every one of us have a shelf life, and none of us know what that number is. 
with the Holy Spirit. He does. And he's looking for people who will say, sign me up, Lord. Use me for your life. See, that's the last part of this. You've got to be open to the uponness of the Holy Spirit. And then you've got to speak what he tells you. To be a witness, point number three, to be a witness, you need to speak what he wants you to say. Some of us, every time, if I ever wanted to have a good altar call, I would just have an altar call about how we run our mouths. Did you say anything this past week that was unkind? Oh, preacher, don't. Don't make me come to the altar again. Did you say something about somebody? Did you say something to somebody about somebody else? Huh? 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 Get that altar full. What if you could just say, think about this in the life of Jesus. Jesus said, you've heard me say this before, but it needs to be emblazoned in your understanding. Jesus said, I only say what I hear the Father saying, and he tells me exactly how to say it. Think about that. And Jesus says this about our words. Every man will give an account for every, what kind of word? Idle word. Idle word that comes out of our mouth. Idle word. What's an idle word? Those are the things that you were saying that your brain was not really connected when you said it. You were just running your mouth. Right? When I'm idling my car, usually it's in neutral or park. Right? The transmission is not, it's not going anywhere. But Jesus said idle words can get you in trouble. Idle words about other people. Idle words uh, about what's going on. Oh, no. And then, you know, the first thing out your mouth is some kind of thing about unbelief where, you know, as if there is no God. As if you don't have a provider. As if God isn't going to do, isn't working and doing a new thing. You know, some kind of faithless kind of thing. Idle words coming out of our mouths. Jesus said, I only say what I hear the Father say. Man, Jesus, you just raised the bar for this preacher. To be a witness, you need to speak what he wants you to say. The Holy Spirit is a speaking spirit. Let me rattle through these scriptures real quick. John 16, when when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. The idea being, from there, once the Holy Spirit is whispered into your ear, then you will speak what he says. You will speak what he says. Um... Early believers spoke with, uh, spoke as guided by the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.4, we read it already. Acts 10.44, here's another example. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on, came on, uh, came upon, as the King James, all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Now, this is the Gentile Pentecost. This is when the, the, the kingdom of heaven spread from the Jewish nation over into the Gentile nations. It was at the house of Cornelius and God took the altar call out of Peter's hands. Peter was still speaking. What's that mean? If Peter was speaking and then the Holy Spirit comes on everybody there, Peter spoke beyond what the Holy Spirit wanted said. 
He should have just gotten to the place where, oh, I'm done. Holy Spirit wants to do it. He doesn't do that. Holy Spirit took the altar call out of Peter's hands and baptizes them all in the Holy Spirit, and they begin to speak with tongues. And when they speak with tongues, the, the believers who are standing there who had been at the original Pentecost, Acts 2, they said, these people receive the Holy Spirit just as we have. Why? Because they recognize the activity of the Holy Spirit. Lastly, in Acts 19, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. New Testament believers today still speak by the power of the Holy Spirit because the world still needs witnesses. 1 Corinthians 2.13, this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. God needs you. God needs your life. God needs your tongue. God needs you to be a witness of his power. But it's not just the words that need to be communicated because Jesus didn't just communicate in words. He communicated in power. The, the people in, uh, you know, in his uh, synagogue said, where does this man get this? We know Mary and we know Joseph, but he speaks with authority and not like the Pharisees, not like the scribes. He's not just reciting the Old Testament. He's speaking with power. He's speaking from the heart of God. God wants to put his heart. He wants to put his word. He wants to put his spirit upon you so that when you speak, you're speaking kingdom. You're speaking power. God wants to give you power. Our world wants power. But God wants to give you power, not power. He wants to give you authority, and, and you might end up in politics, but that's not what he wants. He, he wants you to walk in power wherever you go. He wants you to walk in power in your family. He wants you to walk in power in the workplace, power in education. He wants to, he wants to anoint you right where you are. But you've got to be willing to receive it. Hey, as we close this morning, can I just ask you, are there some wells that need to be redug in your life? If there's a time where you can say, you know, I remember back when I was really close to the Lord and it seemed like he just whispered things and I was right there. If you, if you can say that, can I tell you, it's time for you to go back and redig some wells. There ought to never be a time in your life where you can say, I was really close to God back then. I was really close to God back then. Can I have the musicians come up right now? We're going to go ahead and, and, uh, and close out at the altar here. Let's ask God to, uh, to do a work. I, I really believe this morning that God wants to baptize people in the Holy Spirit at this altar. I really believe that God wants to do healing works at this altar today. But God wants to cause his witnessing power. He wants his Holy Spirit to come upon people right now. Can we all stand right now? Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'd prepare hearts right now in Jesus' name. Can I have my leaders come up and just stand here and face uh, everybody? We're going to pray for folks uh, for a, a refilling of the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray for folks uh, for an activation to move from atmosphere to activation today, that God's going to do a work in the lives of people. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, we ask you, Lord God, that as we pray, that the power of God would become uh, visible in people's lives today. Lord, I pray that you would do a new thing. I pray that you would stir people up right now in Jesus' name. You would stir people up right now in Jesus' name.